everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics. And this week, we go back and rescore routines from the Michigan versus Penn State meet from two weeks ago, as well as the LSU-Alabama meet from this past week. We also have an update on the very first ever HBCU gymnastics program at Fisk University. And we just kind of go off on a little ramble about us in the gym with Michigan before the Elevate the Stage meet, which we went to, and we talk about some of our thoughts and some highlights from that meet, so stay tuned. But before we get into that, we want to real quickly thank our Gold Level Patreon supporters. A big thank you to Kathleen R, Amy M, Lucy S, Kevin K, Maya A, Becca S, Nina L, DFP, Blake B, Elaine E, Rydog, Cookie Master, Faith M, Kristen R, Lori S, Sabrina M, Amy C, Erica S, Milan W, and M. I feel like that's becoming like a mouthful for me to read and I get almost out of breath every time I do it. <laughs> but we appreciate you all so, so much. And we, of course, want to thank you for being a Patreon supporter at the highest tier level. Like we mentioned last week, this month of February is Black History Month. So we are going to be donating all of the money we receive, not just the gold level Patreon supporters, but our silver and bronze level as well. All of the money received from that will be going towards the incredible organization Brown Girls Do Gymnastics. So if you want your donation to be included in that for this month, there's still just over a week in the month of February, and we will have a link to our Patreon in the show notes down below. Now, let's get into this week's episode. This week, we are going to be doing something on the All Things Gymnastics podcast that has never been done before in history. It's been highly requested. And it's coming to you today. We are going to be going back and scoring the Michigan versus Penn State meet from last weekend, <laughs> which actually was very highly requested. I was actually yeah. kind of surprised. So we mentioned it at the end of our episode last week, and we had a couple people reach out and say that, yes, they would be interested in us going back and rescoring the Michigan meet, which we've done a couple times on the show for teams like Florida. Um, I think we did it once for a Bama meet. I did it for LSU, too, at one point. So we've done it before, but we've not done it yet with Michigan. <laughs> so we're going to do that. This will be interesting. And we also rescore the Alabama LSU meet from this past week. What's interesting about this one is that we rescored it live. So as we were watching the meet, we wrote down our scores. And we Basically, didn't have... without having the judges' actual scores in our mind to influence us in any way. Right. Whereas at the Michigan meet, we were there. So in the back of our minds, we did kind of already know. Not kind of. We we literally did know what the judges scored those routines because we were there, and we just obviously couldn't avoid it right and then we um, go back and rewatch it and you kind of already you know have thoughts in your head about what the routine should have scored and that could influence you i mean i don't know if it necessarily does but i still think we were objective in the way that we looked back at it yeah but with the lsu alabama me we actually didn't see the routines yet so we were watching them scoring them as we went and we also didn't really see the scores except for like maybe a couple things here and there with like some of our fantasy scores so there was a couple routines that we did know what the scores came out as before but 
We should probably clarify because we didn't actually state this. We didn't watch it live when it was happening because we were in Toledo at Elevate the Stage. But we recorded it and we had it on our DVR and we came home and watched it and scored it in real time. So that's what you mean by like we did see here or there maybe a, what's a routine score just from, you know, happening to go on social media or whatever. But, but we didn't actually like look up the scores or see any of like I haven't watched any of the routines until I watched it and scored it. Right. So the first time that we watched it was kind of our first time even just seeing everything that happened and as it unfolded we scored it so stay tuned for our thoughts on that (laughs) yes but before we get into that we just have some updates I guess if you want to call it that just based off of some of the things that we did this past week we want to start with Fisk University which of course we mentioned last week and if you didn't listen or if you just haven't seen the news Fisk University announced that they were going to be launching a gymnastics program, which is expected to start next season. And Fisk, of course, is the first HBCU gymnastics program, which is super, super exciting. It's also the first college gymnastics program in the state of Tennessee. Which is also super exciting. Yes, (laughs) as well as also the first NAIA gymnastics school instead of NCAA, which I'll kind of explain a little bit later what exactly that means, but... Um, Just some really exciting stuff happening, and I had an opportunity to talk to Dr. Larry Glover, who is the athletic director at FESC, because I'm doing an article for Inside Gymnastics Magazine, which you guys will have to stay tuned to read. And I'm not going to tell you, like, all of the details, but I definitely had some questions for him and got some answers, and I just wanted to share a couple things with you guys here on the podcast. So one thing that people are probably going to want to know about FISC is that they actually don't offer full athletic scholarships. And that's something that's very, very different from every other college gymnastics team out there. And that's mostly because it's not an NCAA school. As I already mentioned, it is a part of a different governing body, which is NAIA which is really just for smaller schools or private institutions. And what that means for athletics is really just less funding. So schools in the NAIA really pride their student athletes for their academics. And that is one of the main criteria that they look at when recruiting. Their primary goal is to give people merit-based scholarships, which are like academic scholarships. And then they do offer partial athletic scholarships. So what will end up happening is either the gymnast will earn a full academic scholarship, or maybe say they earn a partial academic scholarship, then they can do like a combination of academic and athletic to make a full scholarship, but it won't just be outright a full athletic scholarship. It will either be full academic or a combination of athletic academic, if that makes sense. Yeah. And like you said, it's different than what we're used to seeing because it's an NAIA program and not an NCAA program. Yes. So that is going to be probably one of the biggest differences with this gymnastics team compared to other gymnastics teams. But the good news is, is that yes, it is a different governing body, but that does not prevent them from competing with NCAA schools. And that's kind of obvious, I guess, because there is no other NIA schools. (laughs) Like, who else would they be competing against? Right. So just to clear that up, they can compete with other NCAA schools. It doesn't matter what division. They can go up against a Division III team. They can go up against a Division I team. Really doesn't matter. The only thing that really kind of comes into play is in the postseason. They can't go to any you know, NCAA regionals, NCAA championships. They can't go to any NCAA-sponsored events, which is basically just all your postseason stuff. But they will be eligible to compete in the USAG Collegiate National Championships. They are hoping to have 
as of right now, at least five meets next season, three of which are going to be away, two of which are home. And I also got an idea of what conference they were looking to compete in. I'm not going to say that on here. You'll have to stay tuned for the Inside Gymnastics article. But I will say that as of right now, nothing is confirmed. They are looking into a couple of different conferences, but there's really one in particular that they're really, really eyeing and will most likely happen. But of course, there's still so many moving pieces with this team. They're still waiting to hire their head coach, which he did say could happen as early as next week, which if you're listening to this in the beginning of the week, it could be the end of this week. They have somebody that they're communicating with about this and really someone that sounds like they're interested in hiring. They're just kind of working out the details and finalizing everything and getting those signatures on papers and all of that good stuff. So I can't wait. Yeah, I'm really excited to see who they end up hiring. And then from there, we'll hopefully start to see some commits, which will be really exciting. Something that I was really excited about when I was talking to Dr. Larry Glover was the fact that so many people are interested in coming to Fisk. And he actually said that there are some people that are currently committed to other schools that are considering transferring to go to Fisk. T. Yes. And he said that like every day since the announcement, his email has just been flooded with emails from gymnasts or parents of gymnasts wanting to know more about the program and wanting to know how they can get into Fisk. And it's just so exciting to have that much interest within the first week of the program being announced. And he said that he's been compiling a list to pass along to the head coach as soon as it's official. I love that. So efficient. Yeah. So on top of things. He doesn't know much about gymnastics, but he is just creating a spreadsheet with all of the information that the coach is going to need to know and hopefully be able to put together a pretty decent sized team right off the bat. No word yet on officially how many scholarships there will be yet, but I've heard that they're hoping to have a team around maybe 20, which is a pretty decent sized team. Yeah. And just kind of working out scholarships scholarship amounts with some donors which they already have some which is really exciting as well so yeah make sure you guys stay tuned for my article on inside gymnastics i talked to tia kiaku which of course is a former guest on her show as well as a former gymnast at alabama and ball state and she has been a really big advocate for launching an hbcu gymnastics program as well as darren moore who is the founder of brown girls do gymnastics she has been a huge catalyst in launching an hbcu gymnastics program she was actually the one that created the petition that was going around on change.org, which had over 20,000 signatures on it. So I talked to her as well and kind of got the backstory and the behind the scenes on how this gymnastics program at Fisk University all came about, as well as some other HBCU gymnastics programs that she was really pushing to get and that she felt like were kind of starting to happen. But yeah, then they, they like moving in that direction and then, then like ghosted her and yeah, left, just... left her on red, if you will. <laughs> things just fell through but we're glad to see that it's finally happening with this universe oh yes and she's so proud too she i love this quote that she gave me she said that it felt like a project that she finally like her and the team got an a on yeah it's a project they've been working on for so long and they all got an a i love it (laughs) so make sure you guys stay tuned for that on insidegymnastics.com and of course we'll share updates on social media as well Something else that we did the past week was we went to watch a practice at Michigan, which that was really nice because we were in the gym at the end of November when we were filming our video feature for Inside Gymnastics, and we were in the gym for a couple days in November, but I feel like we didn't really get the chance to really 
enjoy being at practice or kind of take everything in because it's hard to, you know, film and be worrying about charging cameras and doing interviews and make sure you're getting in the good camera angles and not shaking the camera <laughs> and all of that. And then also trying to like focus on what they're doing and being like, wow, she stuck that dismount. Oh, that's an upgrade. Right. And like really process. Just, yeah. Process and take everything in. So yeah, you're watching it through a camera lens, not so much with your own eyes. So this time it was nice just to have the ability to just sit back and relax and you know chit chat with some people and just watch the gymnastics and I of course me I was got, I gotta stay working I can never just like relax I always gotta be doing something so I was trying to do some highlights for inside gymnastics on Instagram as well and then I was getting frustrated because I was missing all of the stuff that I wanted to get I was my goal was to get at least like one clip of everybody doing something really good and the like problem, stuck landings only. Like, like that's a standard stuck landings only. And the problem is that Michigan was so good. They they were giving me the content. I just wasn't getting it. <laughs> like they were sticking their balls. They were sticking their dismounts. And I was just not in the right spot at the right time. Or we were talking to somebody, and then I'd like look over and I'd see like Sierra Brooks nailing her ball. And at one point, I was getting ready to throw my phone across the gym because <laughs> I was missing everything. You're like, I suck at doing the one job that I have. <laughs> but no, it was fun. It was fun just to watch them do their thing. They were getting ready for Elevate the Stage because we were in the gym the day before they left for Elevate the Stage. I said the day before they left as if it was like they left before the competition. They were in Toledo, which is a very short drive from Ann Arbor. Yeah. So they left the day of the competition. Not that matters but it was the day before and just kind of seeing their final preparations before that meet and um yeah just kind of getting some updates on people we got to get some updates on some of the seniors and their future plans we got some updates on some of the athletes that are working their way back from injuries I know JC4 is one that a lot of people all season long have been asking questions about and you know she's finally made her way into the bars and beam lineups and has been doing really really well she's been so so impressed and I obviously like we expected that she was one of the highly recruited sought after athletes even coming into college so I'm not surprised that she's doing so well but you know in my mind I think I always attributed her vaults and even her floor as being kind of her more standout events yeah but she's really come a long way on bars and beam and has not only been consistent but has been scoring pretty well I don't think she's gone below 985 on either event all season well she did end up going 99 sorry 9775 on beam and elevate the stage but other than that like she literally just went below that and i'm like i don't think i've ever seen her go below well because when we were in the gym she hadn't okay true all right thanks yeah you're right (laughs) (laughs) but she had been really consistent she had like 9925 on both events um, her very first bar routine ever was 9-9. I forget what the other score she got on beam was. I think it was like 9-8-5. Anyways, it doesn't really matter. She's been doing really, really right, good. Right, the point still stands. She's been looking amazing on those two events. And I think the philosophy all season long and even still now for the coaches has really just been taking it slow and not really feeling like they have to rush her back. I think if there was like an emergency situation, which like, knock on wood, we're not hoping for that, but... You know, they would potentially use her on the other events if needed, but right now there's really no point what they have 
seven, Yurchenko one and a half. Yeah, and, and it's not that her vaults, you know, if she was doing it, you could argue would possibly be better than some of the one and a halves that are contending for the lineup right now. But the one and a halves in Michigan's lineups right now are, are so good. Right, and that's, I think, something that the coaches have recognized is like, yeah, sure, we could get her ready and throw her in, but like you also don't need to because they're doing so well without her. And their philosophy is just like, she has her entire college career ahead of her. And so why rush back on two of the, you know, the more pounding leg events, vault and floor, when those are the two events that Michigan is ranked number one in the nation on, and they have a lot of depth on those events. They have some viable options. Why rush her back? Right. So I guess we can give an actual update on what she was doing in the gym that day. So she's doing your Chinko falls onto a mat in the pit. And then she's starting to do your Chinko one and a halfs into the pit. So she's not landing the one and a half. She's just doing it into the pit. And then she is standing up the full, but still very, very soft landings. And then floor, they did say that she's tumbling. They didn't tumble that day when we were in. They just did dance throws. Um, They did obviously tumbling earlier in the week, but... Again, yeah, just really taking their time with her coming back from that Achilles injury. And they know that they're really going to need her in the future. I think she's going to be a star for Michigan and really no need to rush her right now. So that's kind of where JC is at. And then Nicoletta Kulos is another one that I think people are kind of forgetting about or unsure of what she's doing or where she's at. Which I partially understand because she did have a wrist injury coming into season. But there's another part of me that's like, why are we acting like Nicoletta Kulos doesn't exist? Yeah. She's been doing bars and, well, mostly bars exhibitions, but she also has done a beam exhibition in the last couple of weeks. So she is completely ready and able to go in on those events. She just hasn't been making the lineup. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that she's not an option personally i would make an argument for her to be in the bar lineup i'm not yeah. quite sure who i would want out at this point in time because they're all doing so well but, but she is very very nice she has nice lines here's my my personal opinion i like her lines on bars a little bit better than someone like maybe jc vore but jc's so consistent and she's doing really well and she's scoring really well so i don't really think i have a strong argument for why you would take her out or anybody out for that matter that's the struggle <laughs> i just i want queen here's my Here's my solution. Seven people in the lineups. So on every event, every I'm making up new rules. Every team gets to have another gymnast in the lineup now from this point forward. That would make the lineup so much more competitive, though, if every team was allowed to do that. I think it would be a good thing for certain teams. It would be a bad thing for others because there's some teams right now that I know are really struggling to put together lineups. What's you feeling? <laughs> Yeah, and other, uh, to be honest, I wasn't even thinking of UCLA, but that's a very good point. Denver, um, Minnesota. East, Eastern Michigan. I feel like there's a lot of teams that are struggling with injuries at this point in time. So yeah, yeah, depth is a struggle for a lot of teams. So if we implemented that rule, a lot of teams would not be very happy about it. But for, for a team like Michigan, you know, you can show off some of that depth <laughs> so that everyone thinks that they don't have. <laughs> But yeah, I would say Nicoletta is an option on bars and beam as well. She also sounds like she's training. Again, we didn't actually see the tumbling on floor because it was the day before competition and that just wasn't what they were doing at practice that day. But Scott said that she's doing a three pass routine and a two pass routine. Sounds like the two pass routine is more consistent, but they really pride themselves on the difficulty that they have in their floor routines and they are really pushing for her to do the three pass routine. Obviously it's going to depend on what's most consistent and when and if they actually need her in the lineup, but she is also an option on that event as well. Another little update that I wanted to give was about Sierra Brooks on beam and her new dismount that she's working. So she actually competed at, at Elevate the Stage, but because the meet was on flow, I'm assuming that majority 
people didn't get to watch the meet. But we saw her working in practice a back handspring double twist. Um, previously this season, she was doing a back handspring one and a half twist. but And then prior to that, I think at the very start of the season and then also last season as well, was doing a double tuck, which she was doing really well and really consistently. Yeah, so I'm a little confused why they changed that um and that's actually something that i regret not asking like I, I just didn't dawn on me in the moment to ask about it but the double back was super consistent she either would stick it or she would have a really small hot back most of the time it was a very minimal deduction on that dismount at least i felt mm-hmm. and this season for the most part it's been the back handspring one and a half And that's been, I would say, pretty inconsistent for her. She almost always has a large step forward, at least a tenth in deduction right there. Um, Sometimes a big hop forward, kind of just depends. Yeah, she has yet to stick it. Yeah. So I am assuming what the strategy was, was by adding an extra half twist in there and doing a back handspring double twist. They could kind of, you know, use some of her extra power to generate that extra half twist and hopefully come up with a better landing just because she has enough power to do a more difficult dismount. We didn't quite see it in competition to elevate the stage. She actually had kind of a scary landing, I would say. Yeah, so to me, it looked like she kind of got lost in the air and kind of did a little bit in between a one and a half and a double. Uh, Almost looked like she stopped twisting, like she just got lost in the air. I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but that's what, to me, it looked like happened. Yeah. It was kind of a scary landing, just what didn't get it all the way rotated around. Uh, Like I said, kind of somewhere in between the one and a half and the double. Because we went back and watched it and her, you know, we paused it at like her feet position when she actually landed and she wasn't quite at a one and a half, but she wasn't at the double twist either. Yeah. It was like somewhere right right smack in the middle. Um, but she was okay. You know, she's, she kind of got up and kind of looked like she was laughing a little bit and walked off and she was fine. Thank goodness. But she was doing it pretty solid in practice from what I saw. She didn't stick any, so it wasn't like super necessarily consistent looking yet, but she was landing them and they were looking better than what she did in competition. So not necessarily a cause for concern, but still something that I think needs to get worked out, especially as you know, we get closer to postseason. Yeah. We're already at that point in the season. I know. It's so wild. And I think Michigan is looking so good on three out of the four events. They're not looking bad on beam, but if there are any areas to improve or areas of slight weakness, I would say that it would be on that event. If they go into nationals and are doing what they've been doing on beam all season, I think they're leaving the door open a little bit for another team to come in and show them up. So... I know that's something that they're working really hard on, and I'm hopeful that we'll see throughout the next couple of weeks, kind of leading into postseason, some more consistency on that event. But in practice, there was really no worries. They truly were hitting, from what I saw, every routine. So that day of practice, everybody went through their routines twice. And I don't recall seeing a single person fall. And maybe it's possible. On any, on any event. It's possible that maybe I looked away and I missed something. Um, so don't like 100% quote me on that, but... It was pretty solid. Like, nobody was making any, like, major mistakes on beam included. So they are capable of doing it. I think they just need to work on somehow translating that to competition. Mm-hmm. Another thing they did that day, which I thought was super fun, and we've seen them do this before in the gym, but we actually got to be a part of it this time, which I low-key loved. <laughs> so they do this thing, and other teams might do it too, but it's called Shoot 'em Down. And it's kind of an exercise to get them performing a little bit more and just focusing on the dance. So they don't tumble or anything. They're just doing their choreography 
And the goal is to make eye contact with everybody that is surrounding the floor. So the coaches, the team, and then they also (laughs) incorporated us in it. We surround the floor and they have to not only make eye contact with you, but really make you feel something. And that was the instructions from Myliana Kanawa who does the floor choreography, she said that you have to, like, feel something. Like, they have to, like, pierce your soul. Yes. And that was, I believe that was her exact wording. (laughs) So she made it very clear. Like, it's not just like, oh, she looked at me, and then you sit down. Because that's the goal. They look at you, and then you sit down. But it's not just a look. You got to feel it. And I feel like they did really well with it. They did. They really did do good. Abby Brenner is somebody who is always fun to watch, and... One of my favorite things about her is the way that she not only trains in practice, but also the way she does her dance throughs in practice is super consistent with what she does on the competition floor. I noticed that too. And that, like I said, it applies to this dance through that we're talking about, but also her gymnastics. Like she is so consistent with everything that she's doing in the gym, just bringing that right out onto the competition floor and basically replicating it. Also, I do want to take this opportunity here to give another shout out to Abby Brenner because I think we talked about this when we... We did the Michigan video and we talked about us being in the gym, but she's just so great. Like you can tell her to do something and she does it. (laughs) It sounds bad. (laughs) Like I told you already that there were several points where I was missing stuck landings and vaults and whatever. And of course I'm like running over to the bars because she's getting ready to dismount and she does her dismount. She sticks it. And I'm like, Dana, I missed it. So I say to her, are you going to do another one? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll stick it. And then she goes and she sticks it. And then when she was done with bars, I asked her, I'm like, so is that just like what you do? Like, can you just say like, I'm going to stick it. And then you do it every single time. And she's like, I don't know. It just happens. But <laughs> it's really, really impressive. And maybe that's a gymnast thing. Like maybe because I'm such like a mediocre, normal person, I can't fathom <laughs> doing anything like this. And like for it's a gymnast, passion. it's probably like easy for them well I think it's the way I kind of think about the situation is I think it's being able to handle pressure Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of the girls on this team can do obviously like we've seen but also kind of what I was saying before and I noticed this with Abby in particular everything that she's doing is so consistent with not only who I think she is as a person, but she's doing the same. She has the same attitude, the same mindset in the gym that she does when she's actually on the competition floor, which I think is what makes it so easy for her. And a lot of these gymnasts to be able to go out there and really hit under pressure like that. Yeah. You know, she's able to turn it on in that moment and think this is what I need to do. And then just go out there and do it. You don't feel the pressure or maybe they do feel the pressure, but they can deliver under the pressure. And I think that what, that's something that makes them super, super special, at least in my opinion. But I think for us as non-athletes, we're like super impressed by these things. I was, yeah. I mean, obviously I was a gymnast, but never a high level gymnast and never had to do the skills that they're doing under the circumstances that they're doing them. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm impressed by their ability to not only do the things they do, but also do it when there's expectations or pressure on them. Or and just they, people watching. Yeah, they and they do it really well. So shout out to Abby Brenner for that one. And I'm sure it would apply to a lot of other girls on the team as well oh yeah for sure um but anyways yeah the floor teens were fun they were being silly at times and really going aggressive not only with the choreography but with the eye contact and doing things that they normally would not do in competition but it was kind of funny it was hilarious to watch just seeing how they would go about making eye contact with everybody whether it would be like looking a certain way or they're like rolling around on the floor and then you catch them making eye contact with you (laughs) it's just it's hilarious to see how they 
incorporate that into their routines <laughs> in ways that they probably wouldn't actually be doing in competition. And but Naomi, they're having fun with it. Yeah, and Naomi Morrison ate it up. Like, she knocked everyone down twice. Yes. She, I think <laughs> she was the only person to do that. Yeah, so she absolutely killed it. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to JC Vore. Obviously, no one has seen her floor routine yet, but she changed the choreography around a little bit from what we saw in November. And I really like her routines. So I'm hoping that, you know, knowing that we're probably not going to see it this season, I hope she keeps it for next season because her routine is, it's just different. She has kind of like a jungle safari theme. Yeah. And she's like, a, what were they calling it? I forget what the character was of that routine. She was like fighting off people in the jungle, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I was really surprised by JC's routine. I found myself like nodding along and going like, okay, JC, like I was not <laughs> expecting that. It was great. And Natalie really is so much different when she's trying to sell her routine and really getting into it. And it's hard because obviously when they're in a competition, you're focused on the tumbling too. And I think Natalie in particular, she's one that I think when it comes to floor, she is really, you can tell she's really focused and I don't want to say worried about the tumbling, but you know that she's very focused on like what she's about to do next. And you can kind of, I personally can kind of see that on her face Mm -hmm. when she's performing and it takes away from the performance. So it was really nice to see her doing this dance through with the focus really being on performing and making eye contact and selling the routine to the people that are around you. She did so, so good. She's actually like a really good dancer as well. Like outside of gymnastics, because we... So when we first walked into the gym, they showed us their dance routine that they made up for the Mock Rock, which is kind of like a, it's like a Michigan student athlete talent show. Yeah. And Gabby Wilson choreographed the routine, which shouldn't be surprising because she's a phenomenal dancer and she's always making up dances, I feel like, and kind of assisting with her own floor choreography. But it was so, so good. And I think that you are kind of almost surprised because you're so used to watching them just kind of dance and perform in their floor routines. And then to see them kind of come out of their shell and do moves that you wouldn't typically see in a floor routine and perform in a way that you wouldn't see them performing during a floor routine. I was like, okay. They all, every single one of them absolutely crushed it. I was surprised, I guess, because yeah, they were moving in ways that like you've never seen them move before and they were just getting into it and they were having fun. And like, it was just completely different than them out on the competition floor doing their floor routines. And I was was impressed. Everyone always associates like UCLA with being like the team that can dance and the team that like makes up dances. And I'm like, Michigan is up there too. Cause like, this was like, a dance team like yeah i loved it so if you guys want to see it natalie Wojcik actually posted it on her tiktok account you can go check it out there but yeah they they did it in the gym and we got to see him do it and i wish we would have recorded it that's one of my biggest regrets because they totally (laughs) ate that up I guess the only other thing that I wanted to say about our little visit to Michigan was we got a sneak peek at their new leotards for this season, one of which they wore at Elevate the Stage, and then they have two more, one that they're planning to wear on senior night, which is gorgeous, I think our favorite out of the three. Yeah, so I think that one is my favorite. It's just so different than anything Michigan has worn before, in my opinion. The back of it is kind of like open and it almost reminded me of like an Oklahoma leotard for some reason. Like that was the vibe that I got from it. And Michigan, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't think they have any leotards with open backs. So, so it's definitely different than anything else that they have. 
I, when I saw that one, I was like, ooh, this is really, really pretty and I can't wait to see it on. Because that's the other thing that's interesting too, is that when the leotard is hanging up on the hanger, it looks a little bit different than when it's on the gymnast out there on the competition floor. Yeah. Like the one they wore at Elevate the Stage. When I was looking at it on the hanger, I liked it. But I was like just curious, I guess, how it was going to look on and if I was still going to like it. But then when they had it on in competition, I loved it even more. And now I'm looking at it as if it's one of my favorite Michigan leotards of all time. Yeah. And it looks good on everybody too. Yeah. Which is obviously very important. And then they have one for nationals. I'm not sure. I'm assuming hopefully they're going to try and wear it on the final day. (laughs) (laughs) We just like paused and linked at each other and we're like, we should probably knock on one. That's what what that was. I was debating whether I wanted to say that or not, but we're manifesting it. We're manifesting it. We're confident. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about that one. I... Well, I'll res- I reserve the right to change my mind when I see it on them. Yes. Because again, like you just said with Elevate the Stage, sometimes it looks different when it's on. I didn't hate it or anything. It didn't stand out necessarily. As it was like- probably my least favorite of the three. I will say that. Yeah. But I also, again, we reserve the right to change our minds on that because I think once we see it on, whether it's, you know, on TV or in pictures um, for nationals, we'll be there in person. So we'll see it. We'll get some different angles, see it in some different lighting, and probably change our mind. Yeah. But they were all beautiful. And it was just fun, too. We're totally leotard junkies. Like, I'm there for the leotards. Like, that's actually why I came. <laughs> the way the way that this happened was they were doing their huddle right at the end of practice. So we were getting ready to leave anyways. And then Bev said something to the team about, like, the new Leo. And then I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Brenner. But, like, somebody, like, turned around and, like, I think it was Brenner. It was Brenner. She turned around and she's like, did you hear that? And I'm like, oh. Like, yeah, I heard And then that was one of those things, like, everyone kind of just forgot about it. And then, like, and then well, I, I found a way to bring it back up. I was, I was like, so, you said there was new Leos? And then Bev brought us into, like, their room. The leotard closet. Yeah. And there's, like, leotards lining the walls on both sides. Super exciting to go through and just see, like, old Leos. Like, Leos from back when we first became Michigan fans. Like, ones that, like, Kylie Botterman would wear. Like, I would pick it up and be like, I just remember seeing this. Yeah. So As the, a child. The goal is they, they try to keep one of every single leotard, except for, the, obviously, the ones that they still currently wear. Because eventually they do retire them. But they, they try and keep one of everyone. Couldn't find the refrigerator one that Liv Karras talks about in her book. And apparently everyone on the team hated that leotard. And it is kind of funny that it mysteriously went missing. (laughs) Yeah, I know. In my head, I didn't want to say it, but in my head, I'm like, someone totally probably burned it. Yeah, Bev was looking for it and swears that she kept it, but... Nowhere to be found. It was not in this closet, so we don't know what happened to that leotard, but yeah, it was just fun to see, like, the old leotards and also the leotards that didn't make the cut. There were some that they were playing around with and trying to make happen, but it just didn't happen, or ones that they did end up eventually working out, like the one they wore at Nationals last year when they won. They had a different version of that exact same leotard that they had played around with before they landed on the final version of the leotard. And it was actually yellow in, like, the boob area. So, same leotard, but instead of it being blue, it was yellow. Like, we're kind of where the velvet is, if you can think back to that Leo. There's, like, the velvet darker blue shade in the boob area that part was yellow instead which 
I don't think I like. And it kind of reminds me of an LSU leotard. You know the one I'm talking about where it's like purple sleeves and a purple body, like lower half of the body. And then the boob area is yellow. Yeah, they wore it a few weeks ago. I don't remember what team they were against, but it's a one that they wore pretty recently. It reminds me of that though. But yeah, it was just, it's interesting to see leotards that are different versions of the final products and it kind of seeing what worked and what didn't work. Some of them I liked. I was like, can we make this work? Like you're saying it didn't work, but can we make it work? Because yeah. I like this one. And then there's some that I'm like, I'm glad that didn't work. <laughs> but that was that was one of my favorite parts is just looking through the leotards because, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I'm here for. That's like the inner gymnastics fan in us. Yes. The child gymnastics fan in us was living for that. So let's talk about Elevate the Stage. Obviously, that was the practice before they left for Elevate the Stage. And the meet itself, I would say, was pretty good. It was a good meet. Um, I will say, being fair, I think there was definitely some areas where they were a little bit overscored, which Elevate the Stage historically has been a meet where Michigan has scored very, very high. Yeah. At times, I would say that scoring was high but deserved. Um, this meet... You know, being completely honest, I feel like it was a little bit high in some areas. I think it depends on the event and it also depends on the routine. Because there were some that I think were justified and there was also some that for sure weren't. Yeah. So overall, I'm not like super mad about it. I think that they had a great day and they definitely deserved a very high score. Um, You know, going back, if you were to rescore, we didn't rescore this meet. But if we were to, I'm sure we could knock it down several tenths. Um, but yeah, you know, like you just said, there's some routines that were definitely a little bit high, but then there was some where I'm like, this should have been higher. Like I personally thought Natalie Wojcik on bars should have been a 10. That was the best bar routine that I've ever seen her do. Yeah. Um, I watched it from two different angles because there was the angle that we were sitting on and I recorded the routine and then we went back and watched it and that camera was on a different angle. So I saw it from both angles. I think her Dolchev was as straight as it could be. Normally she's a little bit crooked on it. It was straight. It was great. Um, beautiful technique as always. And then she nailed the double layout dismount. Truly the best routine I've ever seen her do. And she's done a lot of great routines. So I personally think that should have been a 10 and ended up getting a 995. Which is fair. You can't complain about that. No, it's not like I'm not mad about it, but just compared to other routines that go 10, that routine was absolutely a 10. Um, and there was other routines in the lineup. And I think, you know, we'll talk about this, but this was the issue that I was having throughout the entire meet. It wasn't just that the scoring was inconsistent across, you know, each team. It was inconsistent within the team itself. You would have somebody on, like Brenner on bars, for example. Not a bad routine, but she does have some built-in form deductions, some flexed feet here and there. And she didn't stick the dismount. Yeah, she had a hot back on the dismount. It was a good routine, but it went 9925. That's a little bit high. Yeah. And then you're saying that's only... A quarter tenth. Below Natalie. Yeah. And it's like... <laughs> I love how we're finishing each other's sentences. We are. We're so annoying. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I don't know. How do you say that's a quarter tenth below Natalie? No, Natalie's routine was a lot... It was more superior in my opinion. And that happened a lot throughout the meet because if you look at Beam for Michigan... Natalie got a 9.875 on beam. She did have a a hot forward on the dismount, which you could say is a 10th. So you could argue that it's fair that she would get a 9.9 or I guess you could say a 9.875 if you somehow found another deduction somewhere else. But yeah, I would say 9.9 for that routine is fair. I personally would. 
But the problem with it was that that routine compared to other routines in the lineup or other routines that are being done just, you know, in the competition from other teams, it just doesn't make sense because you had, and we're not trying to shade at all. We're not trying to shade any of the gymnasts, but, you know, you have Naomi Morrison go up and she also got a 9875 and she had several wobbles in her routine. So, like, how do they get the same score? Yeah. When Natalie, her routine was, like, perfect, just the hot forward on the dismount. Naomi, like you said, she got 9875. I would have had that at, like, a 975, maybe a 98, like, 98 tops, but it got 9875. Then you had Reyna, Gugino, she got a 9A. I was fine with that score. I felt that was fairly accurate. You probably could nitpick it, get she it down had a, to a 9.75. Yeah, she had a pretty big wobble on the series. But other than that, um, the rest of the routine was pretty good. Stuck the dismount, nailed the side summy. One of the better routines that I think she's done on beam, with the exception of that yeah. wobble on the series. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that was kind of my biggest problem, really, with that me. It was that the scoring wasn't really consistent from routine to routine, even just in the same rotation. It was like one gymnast getting the, a big score or a score that maybe is a little bit too high and then you had a routine after it that was significantly better that's scoring the same and it just... There's not very much differentiation between the two routines and it yeah. doesn't quite make sense. Well, another thing too, like vault, for example, Michigan started off with a stuck vault from Reina Gugino. They went 9975. I probably, again, wouldn't have gone that high for the leadoff vault. Not because it's not a good vault, but just because it's not... There's better vaults to come in Michigan's lineup as far as amplitude, distance. Yeah. Like, Gabby Wilson's vault is one of the most dynamic vaults being done in the whole NCAA. And she stuck it. And that was, hands down, without a doubt, the best vault that I've ever seen her do in her life. Mm -hmm. And she got 9975, which I personally wouldn't have gone 10 for, obviously. (laughs) But, okay, 9975, fair, sure. Can't complain about that. But then I'm like... Her vault was a better vault than Raina's vault. Yeah. So where's the consistency? The math's not mathin'. Yes. It just, yeah. (laughs) Little things like that. Overall, I would say that scoring was fairly high on a lot of different events, a lot of different routines. There were also some routines, though, that I felt were pretty fair. Some that I felt were actually a little bit low at times. So kind of just, you know, what you would expect (laughs) from a college gymnastics meet. (laughs) In the end, though, it was still a great competition for Michigan. I would say probably a mid-197 is probably what we would have got it down to if we actually went back and scored it ourselves. They went 197.95. And want to give a shout out to Gabby Wilson. They ended up pulling her out of the beam lineup. So she was kind of for a second there, looked like she was going to go for Michigan's all-around program record. Oh, she was totally on track. Because she had a 9.975 on floor and vault, and then a 9.925, I believe she had, on bars. So she was killing it, honestly having the meat of her life. And then they pulled her out on beam. <laughs> so they said, not today. <laughs> they said, meet if you're life well after three events you're done (laughs) so yeah um that was exciting to watch and um lots of good gymnastics we love the big 10 we love all of the teams and how they love each other i mean the big 10 is such like a friendly it's a rival of course but it's just a loving friendly conference yeah you feel the love from all the teams we were actually funny story sitting with the iowa parents (laughs) and you never know when you book your seats where you're actually going to be sitting so you know, we, we have no idea until we walk in and we realize that we're with the Iowa 
Iowa parents, the Iowa fans. And I'm like, okay, so this will be fun. We got to the meet so early that we were sitting by ourselves for a while. But then eventually a couple walked up. They end up sitting right next to us and got to talking to them and discovered that it was Lauren Guerin's parents. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. We got to talk about what her future plans are, what schools she even looked at. Her mom said that she looked at a top-ranked team, like one of the very top teams. Like you'll say maybe... We'll just be broad and we'll say top five. Then she looked at Iowa, obviously. And then she looked at a school that was lower ranked. Like 50 range. <laughs> Are they really that low? Yes. Um, yeah, so that, well, that was interesting, I guess. It was yeah. interesting, the variety, like, for how good Lauren is. She's she, one of the stars at Iowa. Yeah. And there's kind of, you know, like, levels of teams, if that makes sense. Like, she was... At a level one school, she was at like a level two school, she was at a level three school, like she was going. I love how you've just made this ranking system in your head. Like this, you're acting like this is actually a real there thing. There totally is. Like, let's be real. There is different tiers of. Well, right. You teams. Ha- what you're saying is you have teams that are like national, national contenders. Ones that you would expect to contend for the title. You have some that would contend for a spot at nationals. You have some that their goal is just to make it to regionals. Right. You have some whose goal is just to do well in their conference championship and beat their own performances yeah so there there is different tiers so don't come for me all right i was just making fun of you because i feel like you're just like creating things as you go during this podcast i am but i i did think that was interesting that she looked at such a variety of schools and obviously ended up at iowa which we're happy she did because she's thriving there and she is yeah. an absolute superstar and her mom had like nothing but positive things to say about iowa as a program larissa libby as a coach she said that Larissa is like a mom to all of those girls which I think that we all can see as well yeah just the love that they all have for each other and I think how close-knit that team actually is and I love too that she said that Lauren is a really shy person but you would never know that when watching her compete like especially when she's on floor like she she goes hard on her floor team yeah she performs with such great intensity that you would never think that she was you know a relatively quiet person yeah because she just transforms and her mom actually like literally said that when she puts on her leotard she transforms into just a different person and i could totally see that so that was a lot of fun we were kind of manifesting like i tweeted this we were manifesting a 10 for lauren on floor just because obviously like does she deserves a 10 she's done so many great floor routines that are 100 percent worthy of going 10 and she hasn't gotten it so but we also saw the scoring was a little bit high that meet and we were like if there's any meat to do it this could be the one oh i dead ass told her mom that i whispered to her i'm like scoring is like really high right now if she hits her routine like if, if there was any chance that it was going to happen in this meet like they iowa was finishing last on floor and lauren was the last routine i'm like this could be the moment she ended up getting a 9925 spoiler alert <laughs> if you didn't like follow the meet as it was happening she did get a 9925 and to be fair she did didn't show the most control on her opening tumbling pass so you know accurately scoring it would not be a 10 but we were rooting for it at that rate we were just like give the energy us the 10. was good we were in the iowa section so like the energy for iowa felt really good to us because that's the area we were sitting in so yes. like, let's go like let's go and i was 10. i was invested in it i mean it's not very often that you'll catch me when Michigan is actively competing, taking my eyes off Michigan. But I was taking my eyes off of Michigan to, to watch Lauren Guerin on floor. We had to. We were in the Iowa fan club for that evening. Yeah. <laughs> 
Another thing that was funny too is that her mom ended up figuring out that we're like triple twist on Twitter. And when she follows us too, that was the funny thing. It's like you just end up sitting next to people, and unless you talk to them, you have no idea who you're sitting next to. And this is why you have to like go to gymnastics meets and just be friendly and talk to the people around you because like you could be sitting next to somebody's mom, yeah, of one of your favorite gymnasts. And I guess she texted Lauren like during the meet and told her that she was sitting next to us. And then Lauren was like, Oh my gosh, I know who they are. Don't embarrass me. Don't say anything <laughs> stupid. And they were just funny the whole night, like just saying stuff, and they would. Go get up a lot to like go get a drink or whatever and just like move around yeah and every time they got up her mom would be like pretending like she was crafting a tweet like yeah oh my god lauren's parents are so annoying they keep getting up like every time they got up they would say that it was so funny um and we were, like, you're fine yeah we were like we like you're allowed to get up like it's okay you're not annoying <laughs> for getting up but it was just a fun meet it was fun to sit next to her parents it was good vibes and we always like elevate the stage it's just a fun meet to go to the energy is always high at that meet it feels like a postseason it feels very postseason yeah because it's on a podium and it's nice because it it has that big meet feel but also it's really small and i, I don't quite know how to explain this you just kind of had to be there it's big feeling in the sense that you're in a big arena and you have the podium, but the arena is not like too big to the point where like you're up in the rafters. Like it there all really feels is no bad seat. No, it all feels very, very close to the gymnasts. So it kind of has that like big postseason feel, but also like regular season intimacy. Intimacy? Yeah. Is that <laughs> is that a thing? Regular season intimacy? intimacy? What are we doing? <laughs> I think that you can make that thing for sure. Yeah, you guys know you guys know about the regular season intimacy, don't you? It's a totally it's a totally a thing. <laughs> I feel like we've been doing this for too long. We're tired. <laughs> All right. So, moving on to the Michigan versus Penn State meet. We went back after the competition and we rewatched it, rescored the meet, and our findings were pretty interesting. So, the actual scores were Michigan 1976 to Penn State's 195875. And what we got when we went back and rescored it was a 1973 for Michigan and a 1962 for Penn State. So for Michigan, our score was three tenths lower than what they actually got. And then I found it really interesting that with Penn State, we somehow got them at two tenths and a quarter higher than what they actually scored. Which would imply that, at least in our opinion, Michigan was overscored in this meet and Penn State was underscored. Yeah. Which I feel like is not that, unfortunately, <laughs> uncommon. Typically, you see the home team. This doesn't apply to Michigan alone. It's every school. You'd often see the home team get a little bit more generous scoring than you actually do the away team. And we also tend to see teams that are more, you know, highly ranked perhaps get a little bit of a bonus from the judges than some of the lower ranked teams. So I think that's probably a little bit of what it was. Just interesting observation. Yeah, and it was nothing too egregious, I would say. I mean, just with Penn State, it was more half tense here or there. There might be a routine that, in my opinion... I would have gone like a half tenth higher than what it actually was. I think looking back at our notes, probably one of the routines that I thought and Brittany thought as well deserved a higher score was Bella Salcedo on vault. So she's the only 10-0 start value for Penn State. She does Yurchenko half on front pike off and... 
It's really good vaults. She really gets a good pop off the table, which you really don't see as much with a vault like that, and really gets into a deep pike position. You really see her, you know, fully in that pike position, which again, you also don't really see sometimes with vaults like that. And she was really, really close to sticking the landing. Yeah, she had a tiny little slide on the landing and maybe a little bit of bent knees in the air, but she only got a 9.8 for that vault. And we actually had her at a 9.875, so I went 985, Brittany went 99. And again, like I mentioned, it does start from a 10.0. So if you take, say, maybe a half tenth for the knees in the air and a half tenth for the little tiny slide on the landing, you could end up at 99. Or, you know, take a little bit more if you want. You know, I personally took a tenth for the position in the air and then a half tenth for the landing. But, you know, either way, a little bit here or there we came out with a 9875 to what she actually got was a 98 which yeah to me the 9875 or even a 985 or 99 honestly any three of those scores would have been more accurate than a 98 the 98 seemed really low in my opinion yeah and another routine for penn state that we had higher than what the judges had was the lead off on beam which beam was the last rotation for penn state Bella Romanano, we had her at 9.85. The judges gave her a 9.775. She really didn't have any, like, major noticeable deductions in her routine. No, not at all. She had a slight, like, very, very slight... I wouldn't even call it a balance check. Just it was a like little a lean. Bit, yeah, a little bit of a lean or an adjustment on her landing of her series. And she also had a small hop on the dismount. And then, you know, you can maybe take a little bit for a bent knee here or there, or a flex foot here or there, but nothing too significant. For one judge to give her a 9.8 and the other to give her a 9.7 for it to average out to a 9.775 felt a little bit low to me. I mean, like I said, we gave her a 9.85 and we went back and watched 13 twice and, you know, I'm sure, I guess you could maybe be a little bit more nitpicky, but I, I felt it was a pretty good routine, one of the better routines of the whole rotation. Yeah, for sure. Like we said, the biggest deduction, in my opinion, was probably the slight, the ever so slight lean on the series, because it wasn't even a wobble. Like I said, it's just kind of a, you know, she stood her series up, and it's almost like with her arms over her head, she leaned to the side, like to the left, just a tiny bit, and then brought it center again. So it was just a tiny little movement, and then the hop on the dismount, which I'm general form here and there but it was a really really solid routine so that score we definitely would have went up a little bit yeah and then you know th for the rest of the meet it was just little things here or there i mean lauren bridgens she got a nine eight seven five on bars i had her at a nine nine which over time that adds up from rotation to rotation a quarter tenth here half tenth there um, that's pretty much how over time we eventually got to two tenths and a quarter higher than what they actually got. Michigan, on the other hand, a whole three tenths lower. I think the biggest culprit was probably beam. That, oh, for sure. That beam scoring. And I think everybody who watched that meet recognized that themselves. So for me personally, the biggest question mark was Gabby Wilson. She got a nine nine when she had a balance check or movement on pretty much every skill that she did. And again, similar to Bella Ramonato from Penn State, it was very, very minor movements. No big, you know, major significant wobble. They were just little, little tiny movements on every single skill. Though. Yeah, and the most noticeable ones for me were, first of all, her switch split to immediate switch split wasn't quite 180, either of the splits. 
And then she had a slight movement when she landed. So that alone, I would say is at least a tenth and a half in deductions right there. She had a balance check coming out of the full turn. She had a step back on the dismount. I also personally would have taken at least a half tenth for the landing on the series. And that one you could argue, um, it was hardly noticeable. But I guess it depends on how picky you want to be. Yeah. Either way, 9-9 nine, nine for that routine. Definitely not. <laughs> Just a little bit high. Yeah. Just a tad. <laughs> Just a tad. And then Wojciech, Natalie Wojciech, she was another one that I thought may have been a tad high. She got a 9-7-7-5. We ended up having her as a 9-7. The big errors in that routine were a pretty big lean on her triple series. And then a hop back on the dismount. She was a little bit under-rotated. Otherwise, the routine was really good, done in typical Natalie fashion, where she doesn't have any built-in deductions and everything is flawless. But those two deductions that she did have, I think were probably a little bit more significant than a 9975 would lead you to believe. Yeah. And I think the difficult thing with that series is you could argue possibly taking three tenths for that. We only ended up taking two, but I think that a judge could take three tenths and it would still be justifiable. Yeah. So, and then not including the hop on the dismount as well right so and the fact 9775 is kind of like well on the uh, hop that she t- the fact that she took a hop back means that she was under rotated which technically you should be deducting for that as well you know it's not only the hop or the step back but it's the fact that she was under rotated right um just little things that the judges probably don't deduct for and that's why we have so many problems with scoring in college gymnastics but i think it's fair to say that beam was probably the rotation for michigan that they got a little bit of help from the judges in that meet mm-hmm. we personally had them a tenth and a half lower on beam than they actually got Abby High School is another one that I think a lot of people were saying they felt were overscored. We actually did get her at a 9-7, which is what she got. The only major deduction was, again, on her series, kind of similar to Natalie. Um, I would say maybe a little bit less severe. Mm-hmm. But still, again, a pretty big wobble that we she, took two tenths for. She took a lean. Her foot didn't come up at all. Like she didn't raise her foot above the beam. It was just kind of a, a balance check where she leaned to the side and quickly pulled herself back up. Yeah, like dipped the chest. Yeah. And then she had a step a step forward or a hop. I don't remember exactly. But she had a small landing deduction and then that series. But other than that, she has really good technique and everything else was pretty spot on, I would say. Mm-hmm. So I was okay with the 9-7. Um, I think maybe you could argue taking more I guess depending on how strict you want to be with the wobble on the series but to me personally the biggest glaring mistake in the judging was probably Gabby Wilson's beam that was for me personally the biggest like how did you get a 9-9 yeah on. and I would add on to that and say probably Natalie on beam as well mm-hmm. um as far as the other events how do you think they were in comparison to what they actually got well vault I would say was pretty spot on Brenner we had at a 9-8-2-5 to her actual 9-8-5 and then the only other difference that we had was we personally had Abby High School at 995. She got a 9925. So we were a quarter tenth higher on high school and a quarter tenth lower on Brenner. So that evens out. In the end, it ended up being the same number overall. And then other than that, um, the only other thing that I would say I personally would have been lower on was on floor Abby High School and Sierra Brooks. They both got 9875s. And I'm not mad about it. Like they were definitely good routines. And probably 
probably would have gone 10 or 9975 in, you know, if it was an LSU, a Florida Me, Oklahoma, yeah, Alabama. But those are consistent scores with what other top teams in the nation are getting as well. Yeah, I personally would have went 995. I've seen them have more control on the landings. Yeah. Abby High School, she did stick her Arabian double front, like two feet stick it, which was really cool to see. Second time she's done that this season, actually. Yeah, but had a little bit of a, a lean to it, I guess you could say. Um, and then her last pass as well. It was a controlled landing, but I think it could have been more controlled. I don't know how to explain that. It's one of those things I'd have to like show you what I'm talking about. Well, I feel like the step back was fairly large. Yeah. And it was controlled. Like Her front foot didn't move off the floor at all, which is the key with a controlled landing. But It was just a large lunge back. Yeah, it didn't really scream 9975 to me. It more screamed at least 995. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sierra Brooks, I think I've seen more controlled landing as well from her. So... I would have been happy with a 995 for both of them. So I think you have an argument there for sure. Um, I think otherwise, everything else, I didn't have too much of a problem with. Jenna Mulligan, we had a 985. She actually got a 9825, but nothing too wild. (laughs) Yeah, just like little things here and there, I think kind of. Like we were saying with Penn State, um, we were able to chip it down three-tenths for Michigan. But I think a lot of that came from, like we already mentioned, beam. The several-tenths difference between what they actually got versus what we had them as. So if you guys want to hear the event breakdown totals, we had Michigan on vault as a 49.525. That was the score they actually got. On bars, we had them at 49.45. They actually got a 49.5, so a half tenth lower is what we gave them. On beam, we had them at a 48.975 to their actual 49.125. So that right there is where, that's where we were able to drop the score pretty significantly. Yes, and then the other event was floor. We had them at a 49.35. They actually got a 49.45, so there's another tenth right there. For Penn State... On vault, they got a 48.95. We had them at a 49.025. So we were a little bit higher on vault. And I think a lot of that had to do with Bella Salcido's score. Yes. Bars, we had them at 49.2. They actually got a 49.05. So again, a little, a bit, little higher. bit higher here and there. And I think that was a lot of it just being like, they would get a 9.85 and I think we would go 9.9. And then... So it's not too far off. Yeah. But. And then... Beam and floor, I'd say we were pretty close to what actually ended up happening. We had them at 49, excuse me, we had them at 48.825 on beam to a 48.875, so a half tenth there. And then on floor, we had them at 49.05 to their actual 49.0, so again, another half tenth there. So once again, those final scores, we had Michigan come out with a 1973 to Penn State's 1962. Those were our scores. Actual scores were Michigan 1976 to Penn State's 195875. So there you go. There is me and Brittany breaking down a Michigan meet and rescoring it with a critical eye like we would with other teams. Yeah, we were trying to be fair. Like I was trying to watch it not with my Michigan gymnastics heart glasses on. Um, I was trying to look at it as if it was any other team and think, you know, if I was sitting on my couch right now with a bowl of popcorn, like I always do every weekend and judging these routines in my head, 
how would I be scoring them if it wasn't my favorite team? Yeah. And these are the scores we came out with. And it was. It was 310 slower. So and I fair to say that, that Michigan was overscored. Yeah, and I think you could find other areas and maybe get it down a little bit more. I, you know, gymnastics is a subjective sport. It is just kind of a matter of opinion yeah. <laughs> sometimes. So, you know, I definitely think you could argue that some routines maybe could be a little bit lower. Maybe others you might feel might be a little bit higher. But I think for the most part, we can agree that, you know, Michigan, they came away with a high well a mid to high 197 score and it probably should have been a lower 197 score and that was how I felt personally when watching the meet in person and then Penn State you know I was a little bit surprised when we went back and we rewatched and I saw that we actually had them two tenths and a quarter higher than what they actually got that was a little bit surprising to me but justice for Penn State (laughs) (laughs) but that was fun I, I think I enjoyed going back and being a little more critical and seeing what the actual outcomes would be if you are critical on you know one of our favorite teams so we enjoyed that so the other meet that we went back and watched this weekend to rescore was the Alabama LSU meet and I'll start by saying that I was actually pleasantly surprised by the scoring it wasn't as outrageous as I think that I was expecting it to be. Yeah, with two rival SEC teams going head-to-head at LSU. I agree. I kind of thought that it was going to be, like, a massive overscore fest. And don't get me wrong. Like, there were still plenty of routines that were way overscored. But also, for both teams, some routines that we felt could have been a little bit higher. And there was kind of that balance. And we found that just going back and rescoring the meet ourselves. Also, I want to remind everybody that we watched these routines for the first time as we were scoring them. So we we didn't watch it live when it actually happened because we were in Toledo, of course. But um, we went back and watched the recording and we hadn't seen any of the routines. So we, we did this live as we watched it. And, you know, didn't have the luxury of going back and analyzing it and pausing it and rewinding it a million times. None of that. So um, this was kind of like if we were judges down on the floor watching it the first time through what we would score it. And yeah, I agree with you. I think that, you know, definitely some overscoring, but it wasn't as bad as I anticipated it was going to be. No. Overall, I feel like when I watched LSU's performance, it felt... If it wasn't a 1 and 8 performance, it felt pretty dang close to a 1 and 8 performance. Yeah. So we'll give you the actual scores. LSU won with a 1-9-8-0-5 to Bama's 1976. The scores that we had were LSU 197525 to Bama's 1973. So obviously we found three tenths for Bama, a three tenth discrepancy, I guess you could say. And then for LSU, we had five tenths and a quarter. So, which is pretty significant. So that's completely contradicting everything I just <laughs> said like a minute ago. But that's what's so hard about it because I would view anything that's over like two tenths and a difference is a pretty large difference. I think for me personally, kind of looking through my scores for this, it was pretty much consistent for both teams that it really wasn't too off base from what the judges actually gave. Yeah. I think each team had one event that was like a big nope. <laughs> and then the rest of it yeah. was pretty much like, you know, a quarter tenth here, maybe a half tenth there. And sure, that does add up over time. It but does, right. That's how you get in the end three tenths or five tenths higher than maybe what they should have been because you're going back and adding a half tenth year, a quarter tenth year, half tenth year. And yeah. it does add up. And you'll see, I think between, you know, for LSU, for me, it was bars. And then for Bama, it was floor exercise. Those were the two events that I found those teams were the most overscored on. 
And then when you take the couple tenths or half tenths here or there on the other events, you know, you somehow magically end up at five tenths and a quarter. <laughs> so, or three tenths in the case of Bama. So I guess we'll just go through and give you the breakdowns of each event so you know what we got for each event. And then we'll talk about some of the highlights of the rotation or any routines that we thought were massively overscored or potentially even underscored. So for LSU on vault, we had LSU with a 49.5. We gave them a 49.475. So that was actually pretty dang good. Only yeah. a quarter of a tenth. Meaning that we didn't really feel like they were overscored. That was pretty on par with what the judges actually gave them. Yeah, and actually, we had two routines that we gave higher than what the judges actually gave. So KG Johnson on vault got a 9875, which, of course, she only does your go full, which doesn't start from a 10.0. It starts from a 995. So, you know, keeping that in mind, the only thing that we deducted was she did have a small, like, teensy tiny movement of the foot on the landing. But other than that, her vault is so dynamic and so explosive and her technique is so good that I really don't see what else you would take unless you're being like super, super, super nitpicky, which yeah. in real time watching it live, I Must personally didn't notice anything. Nobody's doing that. Not even the judges. Like you can always go back and slow down and rewind and find little things with every routine. You can always do that. Right. But in fast motion, yeah, that vault is so technically perfect that a tiny hop on the landing, you take a half ten for that, boom, get it to a 9-9. Yeah. And of course, you know, she got a 9875, so it's not like it's like super out it's not anything to be outraged about. You know, but it was we technically pretty did, close. did go higher, technically. And then same with Haley Bryant. She got a 9-9-2-5. We actually gave her a 9-9-5. She did have a small hop back on the landing, but same thing kind of with KJ. Her vault is just so good, so explosive, so technically perfect that there really are no deductions built into the vault itself. It's yeah. just how they land it. And if they stick it, it's perfection. And if they have a small hop, then you take a half tenth, obviously bigger hop, chest down, whatever, then you'd go from there. But KJ and Haley are so consistent with their vault. And like we said, it's so technically perfect. You can expect that almost week after week that you're really just looking at that landing, zoning in and taking any landing deductions. Right. And then interestingly, kind of same story on bars for Bama. So they had a 49.3. We gave them a 49.275, which in the end is only a quarter of a tenth lower than what they actually got and same thing with two routines that we felt were a little bit higher um one of those was lily hudson the judges gave her a 985 we actually had her at 9875 and then of course louisa blanco she got a 99 we had her at a 995 because so. again very very similar conversation over here with louisa on bars so technically perfect that, you know, you're not looking for leg separations or flexed feet. Flexed feet. You know, she usually does a good job of hitting handstands. It's pretty much just if she sticks to the dismount or not, and you take deductions accordingly. So it was a beautiful routine. Over on bars in the next rotation, we had LSU with a 49.225 to their actual 49.45. And this was the event that we personally felt for LSU's case that was a little bit a little bit generous with the scoring. Yeah, the biggest overscoring I think for them happened on this event for sure. Yeah, starting with Kaya Johnson in the leadoff spot. She got a 9-9. Uh, we personally had her at a 9-8-2-5. And that's really just because she has a lot of built-in deductions. Especially when you compare her to someone like Luisa Blanco, who has such nice lines. You can really see the difference when you go from Luisa Blanco in the first rotation as the anchor over to Kaya Johnson as the leadoff for LSU in the next rotation. 
Um, Definitely not the same routines. No. She has, you know, when she goes up to the handstand, she's a little bit short. She has kind of a bend in her hips, a little bit of flexed feet. She did have some movement on her dismount. It was very, very tiny, and I'm sure the judges probably didn't take it looking at the score. But, you know, if you're being accurate, her feet did move, even if it was very, very tiny. She had a really small, hot back. It wasn't a stuck, cold landing. So that was one of the bigger discrepancies that we had, as well as Sammy Durani in the anchor spot. She got 9.95. We had her at 9.85, and that's even being, in my opinion, a little bit generous because she had a leg separation on the pack, which, yes, I know the judges are sitting on the side, and they probably might not have seen it. That's the tricky thing. Really, truly, that's the conversation to be having. Is I, And I think this applies for pretty much every school. The judges are obviously sitting on the side. So there's certain skills like Natalie Wojcik-Stelchev or Sammy Durani's Jaeger on bars or, you know, someone's Pax Alto. You really don't always see whether they're crooked. You don't always see leg separation unless it's like super glaringly obvious. But from the side, you really don't see those things. Yeah. Um, we as gymnastics fans already know that those are deductions that are pretty much built in because we see the routines week after week from different angles. Whether you're in the arena watching in person, you're watching a video that someone shot on their phone, that's a different angle but the tv camera has a different angle couldn't usually. you argue also that the judges also have seen her routine before on replay going back and watching it and shouldn't they know that she has a leg separation there yes you could argue that but i also think there's an argument for if you aren't seeing it from the angle that you're at then you technically can't prove that she did it yeah well, yeah you can roll the tapes <laughs> well right you could do that but that's what we as gymnastics fans do. We go right. back, we look at the different angles, we slow things down, we watch it again, we watch it again, and we find the deduction. Either but- way, it was a, it was a for me personally, I would say it was a pretty obvious like separation. You yeah. get gymnasts. Oh, have- for the record, I'm I agree with you. <laughs> I'm just doing the devil's advocate thing right now, where I'm I'm making the argument that I think sometimes with bars in particular, that's where we run into some of these pretty big discrepancies. Is whether it's a release move, a pack salto you know, whatever it may be, you don't always sometimes see the form deductions from where the judges are sitting. And right. I think that's where they're getting a higher number than we're getting at home. That's fair. And that is the logical explanation for but, the, the difference in the scoring. But either way, she still had a late pirouette. I believe it was right before her dismount or maybe it was before no, no, her no, release it, move. It was right before her Jaeger. Okay. It was right off the top. We've watched so many routines this weekend. I'm starting to get it mixed up. But yeah. They all blur together after a while. <laughs> I know she had, she was short on one of the handstands and then the dismount. Mount. She stuck it, but she had her chest down very, very low. So for that, and kind of like circle the arms too. Was yeah, it, it wasn't. I mean, it was stuck, but it wasn't a perfect stick. So for that to go nine nine five, I was like, no. It mathematically <laughs> would not make sense yeah. if you're actually taking the deductions, and that's really even the form deduction aside on that pack salto. Even if you take that out, I think with the dismount and that short handstand right before you know the top of the bar pirouette straight through to the Jaeger. That's the handstand we're talking right. about. Right, and you're supposed to, the position that you're in when your hand regrasps the bar, that is the handstand position. And you're supposed to be, and I know it's really hard and a lot of gymnasts don't do this do it this way, but you're supposed to be right on top of the bar. And a lot of gymnasts are actually, if you go back and pause it, they're very, very late. They're Which not anywhere near. Which is what we did near. with Sammy's routine. We paused it right when she regrasped and she was not anywhere near the top of the handstand. But we could see it in real time that she also missed the handstand. So whether you're taking the pack salto or not, or you're taking the missed handstand or not, 
Um, I would say that you should have been taking at least one of those deductions if you're actually paying attention. And then the dismount as well. Just not possible for it to go 9-9. I think that's the, the point we're trying to drive home here is that it was not a 9-9. I also, real quickly, just want to clarify, just so we're not confusing people, because we did say that we watched this through and scored it without, like, rewinding. We watched it through and just scored as we went, which is true. That's how we got these scores. We did, after the fact, go back and watch some of the routines again to kind of re-watch and then with the, knowing in our mind what we had the score as, re-watch it to see if we, like, still agreed with it by watching it a second time through. So these scores that we have are from watching it one time through. But we did go through right before we recorded this podcast to refresh our memory and re-watch some of the routines that we had big discrepancies on. Just to clarify that, because we did yes. t- I feel like that was confusing because we're talking about pausing Sammy Durani's handstand, but then we also were telling people that we didn't like go back and do that so we did before we recorded the podcast but not before we scored the routines (laughs) don't want to confuse the people right just to clear that up anyways so over to vault for bama they had a 49.45 we gave them a 49.25 so again just a quarter tenth difference um pretty much agreed with what they were doing there um britney was definitely playing carol for Shallon Olsen in the leadoff spot, giving her a 995. <laughs> um, I, way to call me out. I definitely am the Carol of the All Things Gymnastics podcast. Oh, I know, honey. <laughs> when it comes to me and Ashley, I, I'm usually the one that goes a little bit, not high, I would say, but like if there's, Brittany, if you stick the landing, she's more likely to overlook some bent knees in the air and yes, things like that. Ashley's very much like no form deductions. She's going to take for, like, every little pinky arms that's out were, of place. Arms were bent when you caught on your release move. Like, those are the deductions that I'm here taking. And Brittany's like, that looked good. 995. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, we can say we're joking, but you kind of look bad here with Shallon Olsen. You gave her a 995, which See? as a result, she got a 9925 from us when she actually got a 99. So we did overscore Shallon Olsen at vault. I thought that was the best vault she's ever done. It was good, but are you taking all the deductions that you could be taking? Did I take the form deductions? No. I was being generous. Are you Ron? Yes. You can argue that I'm Ron. Sure. (laughs) I liked her vault. I thought it was the best one she's ever done. And I thought it was one of the best vaults in the entire competition. So fight me. (laughs) To make up for it, we went a little bit lower on Lexi Graber. She got a 9.975. We had her at 9.95. Now that, a lot of people were saying should have went 10. I wouldn't have been mad with it, to be honest with you. Her feet were a little bit staggered on the landing, technically. I noticed. It wasn't a perfectly... In my opinion, a perfectly stuck landing. It was stuck, but she kind of like was leaning forward just slightly. Um, not as perfect as maybe I would like it to be in order to go 10 for it. Um, but I wouldn't have been mad. Either way, 9975 for her was what she actually got. And that's fair. And then everybody else, we pretty much had exactly what they ended up getting besides... Kaylee Quinn, she got a 9.85. We gave her a 9.825. There's a little bit of lack of control on the landing. I believe she had some directional issues as well. It was a little bit off to the side. So, um, But overall, for the most part, we were pretty much on par with what the judges actually scored Alabama on vault. Moving over to Beam in the third rotation for LSU, they had a 49.65 to our 49.475. I think probably the biggest discrepancy, and I wouldn't say it's a discrepancy, but Kaya Johnson got a 10 and we gave her a 9.95. That's a half tenth right there. And then Aaliyah Finnegan, she had a 9.9. We gave her a 9.85. 
Um, I think 9-9 is very, very generous given the chest position on the dismount when she landed. That alone should have been absolutely at least a tenth. And then she also had a little bit of a wobble or a balance check on her leaps. So with the judges combined. The judges were ignoring one of those deductions, not sure which one, <laughs> to come up with that 9-9. I would imagine it was probably the leaps because of the dismount. There was no way you could ignore that. It was it was fairly obvious. And then for the rest of them, we were about a quarter tenth left than what the judges actually gave. So Desiderio had 9-9 in the leadoff. We had 9-8-7-5. Um, Kai Rivers had 9-8-5. We actually gave her 9-8 just because of some like built-in deductions. Bridget Dean got 9-9. We gave her 9-8-7-5. So just quarter tenths that when you give a quarter tenth or a half tenth for each routine, that adds up pretty quickly. And then for Bama on floor, this what I would say was probably their event that they were the most overscored on. They had a 49 2 2 we gave them a 49.075. And I think the biggest issue that we saw in this lineup was Cam Machado. Yeah, so she got a 9.85. We had her at a 9.75. And in my opinion, 9.75, you could say is even a little bit generous given that on her first pass, double pike, which was beautifully done, like her form in the air is very, very clean on the double pike, but she had a really big step backwards, which was a tenth alone. She went out of bounds, whether the judges caught it or not, but that should have been a tenth. And then her front foot also moved. Yeah, which should have been a half tenth. So she had all kinds of deductions on that first pass. The rest of the routine was pretty good. Her last pass, I think it was a double talk, but it was kind of crunched on the landing. Um, Also had some flex feet, which I wouldn't necessarily take that. I know judges don't always take flex feet. Um, but just the first pass alone, if you take all the deductions that you should have on that, there's no way she is at a 9.85 plus given being a little bit crunched on that last pass. Um, for them to come up with a 9.85 doesn't quite make sense to me. And then Maddie Wallagora on the leadoff spot, I would say is probably the next routine that was the biggest discrepancy score wise. They had her at a 9.8. We had her at a 9.75. I mean, nothing too crazy, but again, it does add up. And then rounding it out in the fourth rotation on floor for LSU, they had a 49-4-5. We gave them 49-3-5. Pretty, pretty close. Only a tenth in deduction. So that's not too bad. Yeah, actually the first three routines, we had the same score the judges came up with. So Christina Desiderio got a 9-9. We gave her a 9-9. Same with Olivia Dunn, which I actually, I thought that I would go lower for her just because I, I don't know, I'm not used to seeing her on that event. I didn't really know what to expect. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking like, okay, this will this will be interesting. Let's see what I come up with. And then I was like, oh, okay. Like, I only have her down to a 9-9. Yeah, she was a 9-9. And she got a 9-9. So I'm like, okay, like, go off, Olivia Dunn. KJ Johnson, she got a 9-8-7-5. We gave her a 9-8-7-5. Aaliyah Finnegan, she got a 9-9. We gave her a 9-8-5. And then Haley Bryant got a 9-8-7-5. We gave her a 9-8-2-5. And they pulled Kaya Johnson from the anchor position, so they only put up five athletes. Which is probably smart for LSU, given, you know, the point in the season that we're in, preparing for postseason. LSU is another one of those teams, we kind of mentioned a couple teams having a lot of, like, injuries and just kind of struggling to put together lineups. I actually think that I possibly would put LSU. They're not struggling to make lineups, that's dramatic of me to say. But they're a team that does seem to be managing a lot of different issues. Yeah, Alona Um, Shinakova right now is out with some sort of injury. Haley Bryant has her, I don't even know how to say it, that plan 
plantar fasciitis. Oh, I think I said it. I think I said it right. I don't even know how to say it. So good job, I guess. Um, no, I think I nailed that. Good job, Brittany. Um, <laughs> anyways, that is in her foot and it's like partially torn and there really is no way for them to like rehab that back. It's kind of either just you wait until it tears completely and then you rehab it or you just manage the pain and keep going, which seems to be what they're doing. Um, and then Haley Bryant, or excuse me, Kaya Johnson always kind of has nagging Achilles issues. So yeah, they're just managing a few different things, which is normal for the sport of gymnastics. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that, to be honest with you. It's just oh, good that they're uh, being mindful. With, with um, Kaya Johnson. Yeah, just but, being mindful yeah. of the injuries and, you know, giving rest when they're able to. They At that point, they didn't really need her to go up. So I think you were just commending them for you know, resting her when they have an opportunity to and not pushing it. Yeah, especially because LSU had two meets this past weekend. Yes, that as well. Um, finishing up, we had Alabama on beam. And this was an event that I personally felt they, they actually did really, really good. Yes. So they came away with a 49.625. We had them at a 49.525. So really a strong rotation for them. They had all scores above 99 in actuality. Um, we agreed that the routines were good. There was a couple towards the beginning half of the lineup that we had in the 9-8 range, like the, the mid to high 9-8 range where they were going 9-9. Um, it wasn't really until the back half of the lineup that we went over 9-9 with Lily Hudson. We gave her a 9-9-2-5, which the judges agreed with. And then Louisa Blanco actually got a 9-9-7-5 and we gave a 9-9-5. I'm sure there's people that would love to argue that because she is just so technically perfect and beautiful, but I think the dismount could have been, if you're being really, really, really picky, I think the dismount could have been a little bit more Which secure. <laughs> we know that you love to be really, really picky. I, I am really, really picky, so I'm, I'm sorry if that bothers anybody, but um, yeah, so that was, that was how it went when we scored that me again the final scores were in actuality lsu 1985 we had them at a 197525 to bama's 1976 which we had at a 1973 but yeah i don't know i thought that was fun to do honestly it's when we're watching gymnastics we're usually in our heads kind of scoring the routines anyways and so um, it is fun to really tally all of that up and see just how far off you are from the judges or maybe how close you are to the judges. Yeah, I'd like to do this again, but maybe even do it with some lower ranked teams would be kind of fun because we know that the teams in the top of the rankings do get overscored. I'd be curious to really look at some of those mid-ranked or lower ranked teams and see are they being overscored as well or are they being underscored or is it accurate? Oh, I would say it's underscored and in a lot of cases but i'd really like you know to how actually... many stock Yurchenko one and a half i've seen yeah like ball state lately i feel like has been getting really underscored on vault they have a lot of really good vaults victoria henry does a one and a half and she's found the landing several times well just this past week she got a 985 and she stuck it and also suki fister does a front pike with a half turn i don't know why it's a half turn it's a half twist you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> i've been talking for a long time okay um, but anyways, same vault that you see like Brooklyn Moore is doing or Kendall Post in, and she's been really, really good with the landing and getting her chest up on the landing and sticking it. And she just never gets the score that she deserves. So we should, we should go back and watch like some Mac meets or just some of the smaller teams and see what we come up with. And if that's something that you guys would be interested in, 
let us know. We'd love to do it. Yeah, I think we could also still possibly be even more in depth with this. Like, I don't think, I think we went more in depth for LSU Bama than we actually even did for Penn State Michigan in terms of like actually reading off the scores. Like, we didn't really read off a whole lot of our scores for Michigan. We just kind of did the big ones that we felt were overscored. Yeah, again, I guess let us know what you guys like or what you want to listen to. Sometimes we don't know like what's too much talking or, you know, what you guys are actually interested in hearing. You guys want to hear the final scores and all that, but like, do you want to hear the actual breakdown of the routine or you know just let us know what you actually want to listen to because we sometimes don't know we're over here like we're talking about the things that we are passionate about and that we want to talk about yeah. and then we're just hoping that other people are also interested in it and passionate about it as well so but sometimes we go off on tangents and then we lose track of what we're saying and we just don't know you know if we're if we're giving you guys the content that you want so Which i guess in fairness is the point of having your own podcast is you have the luxury of just talking about whatever it is that you want to talk about so <laughs> we do have the right to just talk about anything that we want even when we're rambling and we're glad that you guys do seem to be enjoying the you know us going back and rescoring routines because we have gotten a couple messages of people you know saying that they like that or asking us to do more so I guess if that's something that you guys want us to keep doing just let us know and if you have suggestions for maybe the format that we should be doing it in also certain teams that you maybe want us to do let us know That does it for this week's episode we hope you guys enjoyed it and we're not exactly sure what our plan is for the next episode yet at some point we wanted to kind of just like take a pause and look at where we're at right now with the college gymnastics season and what we think of the rankings and yeah because i think there's a lot of teams that we haven't really talked about in a while um i feel like we've talked a lot about the very top teams but there's a lot going on right now with UCLA and Denver and Minnesota and there's just so many teams that I feel like we haven't really touched on a whole lot this season or really even acknowledged beyond just like once or twice maybe here and there. So we're thinking that our next episode is going to be just looking at the rankings now with NQS in effect and talking about kind of where everybody is and how they're looking heading into postseason, possible seating for regionals, and I guess what we think of some of these teams' chances of potentially qualifying out of regionals and maybe upsetting and making to nationals. Like, I think there's a lot of things that are going to be happening in the next couple of weeks, a lot of upsets, a lot of really exciting gymnastics, and we are just so, so, so excited about postseason being close, and it's the best time of the year. I think I love conference championships, regionals, nationals. It doesn't really get any better than that, so... Stay tuned for that. It may be next week. It may be the week after. It kind of just depends when me and Ashley have the time within our schedules to sit down and record another episode. It's something we've kind of been struggling with lately, but um, we definitely plan to do for our next episode, regardless of when it comes out, just kind of a recap of the past several weeks and look forward to the future with postseason looming. We hope you guys have a great week and we will talk to you real soon. Bye. Bye.